Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. So Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of majesty, and we ask you to give us Give us understanding tonight, Lord. Open your word. Help us to understand your word and help us to obey your word. Help me to communicate your word. Lord, I'm, I'm just a human vessel. Help me to make clear and helpful the truths of your word. <clears throat> Excuse me. We lift up Brother Kyle and we thank you for his heart to serve our country in the Air Force and we ask that you would prepare him and protect him as he uh, moves to Texas here in the next month or two. We thank you for our armed forces. We thank you for our, our nation. We ask for your blessing. We pray, bless Kyle, bless Brother Jake Gerst and Germany. Lord, strengthen them and give them uh, your Holy Spirit in a, in a new way, even tonight, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Well, like I said to begin, we're continuing our Matthew 24 series. I'm going to take a little extra time tonight. We got a little extra time, and so do we need notes in the back? All right, we got plenty of notes. Okay, Caleb, if anybody needs notes, you're the man. All right, cool. Um, We're going to talk about, so after Jesus describes the tribulations, the disciples begin chapter 24 saying, what are the signs of the end of the age, or They asked for the sign. What is the sign of the coming of the Lord? The the second coming, that is. And what's the sign of the end of the age? And and Jesus begins to describe the sorrows and the tribulation and the great tribulation that the church would go through in the end of the age. And then as he begins to wrap that up, we pick up in verse 29 of Matthew 24. And what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to touch on four sections of Scripture. So Jesus almost almost gives an introduction into the, excuse me, into the very end of the end of the age. I'm going to ask for a little bit of help up here. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Jesus gives almost what's what I would consider an introduction to the end, the very last things that are going to happen at the very end of the age. You know, that we talk about the, you know, the beginning of the end or, uh, you know, the, the beginning of sorrows Jesus talked about, but he covers a span of years, and this is really close to right before he comes back. If I, could, if I could have a little bit of help up here, that would be super helpful. We got a little bit of... <laughs> and so Jesus, in Matthew 24, verse 29, Jesus says, 
after the tribulation of those days, immediately after the tribulation, he says the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end, from one end of heaven to the other. And so what I think is interesting Jesus is speaking about the return of Jesus. And I think there's no one more suited to describe the coming of Jesus than Jesus himself. He tells us what it's going to be like. And just to be clear, this is after, this is after the tribulations he's just described. So there's, there's things that we're going to go through as a church and need to understand even after the tribulations Jesus are describing, I think it's very important to say that because there's much teaching today saying we're going to be removed from the earth before any of this. And I, I believe Scripture is very clear. Uh, the best way to interpret Scripture is just take the plain meaning. And I believe the Lord is making it very clear that we're going to be here ministering, bringing the hope of the gospel to the earth during all of this. And it's actually going to be an epic time to do ministry. And so the Lord gives a number of indications of what it's going to be like at the very end. And one of those is this unprecedented celestial disturbances. And, and he, he makes a point to say that even the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. So there will be a literal darkness like we've never experienced in the history of the earth. And I, I linked to an article here. There's an article. Uh, there's currently places in the world that experience months of pure darkness uh, just because of where they're situated in the planet. Uh, and then in other parts of the year, they have only sunlight. And that's uh, one of those places is uh, a place called Tromso, Norway, where they have three months of complete darkness and three months of complete light. And so that's going to be worldwide. There will be a shift. It will be not just spiritually dark, but there will be a literal darkness. And I believe that's all a setup so that when the Lord returns in the sky in his brilliant light and glory, it will be against the backdrop of total darkness, and so it will be completely unmistakable. I mean, not only will there be unusual darkness permeating the earth, but then the most brilliant glory will pierce the heavens, and it will be unmistakable. It will be the Lord of glory, everyone will know. But not everybody is going to be like, yay, Jesus, there, there will be mourning and, uh, and mixed into uh, this scenario. And so... That's worth its own message, but we're going to go through that a little bit quickly. But just want to kind of develop a little bit, just give a little bit of detail that Jesus begins saying, after the tribulation that I've described, then I'm going to return. There's going to be a number of signs. There's going to be cosmic disturbances. There's going to be darkness. There's going to be mourning on the earth. 
I believe that's going to be due to much of the war and the famine and the death is going to be escalating at levels we couldn't even fathom. There's going to be mourning. There's, there's certainly going to be mourning because there be, will be people who have not received the one who is returning as their Lord and Savior. So their, their future destiny is in peril. Uh, there's going to be mourning, Jesus says, but his return is going to be unbelievably powerful and glorious. And so we're not, as a church, going to, you know, Jesus isn't going to sneak up on us in a room somewhere that we got to go find out, like he said earlier in the chapter. He's not going to be out in the desert or out in the wilderness. And it's going to be unmistakably powerful, glorious, and celestial. His first coming was more earthly, it was more plain, it, it, was, uh, it wasn't, it, there, there weren't any fireworks in his first coming. Not a lot of people even knew about it. He was born of a woman. Um, and so the first coming, it was like he was the lamb, it was plain, it was humble. But the second coming will be like a lion. It will be, it will be piercing the heavens. It will be demonstrating he is God and he is powerful and he's coming back to take the rulership, the presidency, if you will, of planet Earth as king reigning from Jerusalem. And so that's his introductory remark to close out chapter 24 before he shares three sermonettes to further elaborate on the time of history that we will be seeing just before the return of the Lord. And, and I want to just reiterate this. This is so important that we anchor our heart in a Christ that is coming back one day. We're, we're not, you know, we're not, we, we, we want to have hope for different, you know, we want to have hope for a better week and hope that the church will be a bright witness. And there's so many things we're going to hope for, but there's this ultimate hope. There's this ultimate desire and longing that we want Christ to have his rightful inheritance as king of the nations. And that's going to come at the right time, but we're going to participate in the unfolding of that. And it's, I think it's worth much discussion. But again, for the sake of time, we're going to move on past discussion of the return of Jesus. We're going to go down to number three on the notes. And we're going to begin with one of three. There's little mini sermonettes that Jesus, he gives like little sermons to help us connect as Christians what it's going to be like on the earth during that time because it's going to be so intense, we're going to need to have a heads up so that we can endure through it because it will be, there will be many difficulties. And so the Lord wants us to be a bright, Witness. He wants us to be like salt and light, even in the darkest times of history. And, and we're going to do that. We're going we're gonna to be a bright, burning and shining church, but we need to process it in advance. Jesus told us in advance this is coming. And so we're going to, uh, we're going to need to just fill our mind with this information. So go down to Matthew 24. 32 to 35, the first little lesson or sermonette that Jesus gives as he talks about a fig tree. 
And he says, learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. And he says, you also, when you see all these things, when you see all the signs I've just spoken of, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And so just real quick, just as we would understand, as, as you know, this time of year, we're, we're in springtime and you see the little uh, daylilies starting to bud through the, the ground, you start to see little flowers creeping out. We look at that and we say it's springtime because there's, there's little flowers budding, little, little things are starting to appear. It's spring. We, there's signs indicating, or just like in the fall, we see the leaves begin to change colors. They begin to drop off the trees, and we know winter's coming. Well, he's just using an example of, you know, you know, he just probably has a fig tree next to him when he's talking to his disciples, and he says, look at that fig tree. We know when it begins to bud a little bit that, that the fruit-bearing season's soon to follow. And, it, and it's, the point he's trying to make is when we start to see the budding of all of these things, the, the, the full fruition, the, the, the full un, the, the releasing of, of the full uh, story, it's not going to be 90 years away or a thousand years away. It's going to be very sudden. There's going to be a rapid escalation. Just like we see the daylilies start to bud, we don't think like, well, hopefully in a few years we'll see the flower. Or when we see, you know, the, the, the apple trees start to produce um, the little buds, we don't think, well, maybe in five years I'll get apples. You know, we know that it's very soon. And so just as the fig tree, which is which is something that everybody then would understand because you could just go pick them off the tree and eat them. Uh, you know, his point is once this, all these signs begin to manifest on the earth and grow on the earth, the coming of the Lord, the full consummation of the prophetic storyline of thousands of years is going to reach a very sudden crescendo. And so when we start to see the, the tribulation of Matthew 24, the great tribulation further in the chapter, it's not going to be decades and centuries from now that the Lord returns. It's going to be very, so it's going to rapidly escalate. Um, there's going to be like this exponential curve right at the end that we, it will catch people off guard if they're not knowing that's going to happen because they'll start to see the wars, they'll start to see the rumors of wars, they'll start to see the global plagues and pandemics, and they'll start to see the love of people growing cold and offense and betrayal and all these signs that we're actually seeing today, and they won't connect it to the, to the rapid coming of the Lord. Now, uh, that's, that's his sermon number one, and, and I want to just point out there's an interesting thing he says. He, at the end, he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And the Lord is basically saying it would be easier 
for heaven and earth to disappear than what I'm saying not happen. I mean, that's pretty, what a statement. I mean, when you're God, you get to talk like that. And what he's saying to his listeners, which includes us, is, is this is for sure going to happen. This is not maybe a scenario. <laughs> this is not something that, you know, oh, Jesus got a little negative, you know, one day. He is telling us what is really going to happen in history. And, and so we need to begin to say, oh, I got to accept this. And I need to learn how to prepare my heart to do ministry through this. It might be me, it might be my kids or my grandkids, but at some point there's going to be a generation that sees all of this, including the return of the Lord. And it, it may seem crazy to some parts of the church and, of course, the unbelieving world, but, but this is the Bible, this is the words of Jesus, and it's going to happen. So we, we need to wrestle with this and believe it and help people prepare that this is coming. I said for the last two weeks, it's never going to go back. The world is never going to shift back to the, the easy days of the, you know, the 80s and 90s or whatever it was easy. It's going to get more and more challenging. And so the church must get closer and closer to Christ to help be an answer for all the complex things playing out in the world. So the first sermonette about the fig tree, the idea is Jesus wants his disciples and the disciples throughout history, including us, to understand this is going to be a rapid escalation. Just like the fruit-bearing trees, they start to bud, it's very soon there's fruit. Prophetic history will do that same. There'll be little indications and then boom, full fruition, very, like in one quick season. We need to understand that because some people are like, well, you know, there's, there's probably time. Well, if we're talking about, if we're living in that time, there's not time. I mean, it's just going to boom, happen. And I know there's going to be a bright, victorious church moving in love and unity and miraculous powers, preaching the gospel, bringing people to Christ. I want to be useful to the Lord in this time. I don't want to be offended or disconnected or, or, you know, spreading some kind of like false faith message that this isn't going to happen, something else. No, no. The heavens and the earth could pass away, but my words will not pass away, says the Lord. We need to begin to understand that. We move down to his second sermon at Jesus mentions the fig tree and then he just totally goes to another topic and says, let's talk about Noah's generation now. Another thing he wanted to bring up, I'll spend a little bit of time on this, was that the end of the age would be similar to Noah's generation. Of all of the generations throughout biblical history that Jesus could have used to say the end will be like this generation, he picks Noah. He picks Noah's generation for many important reasons. Let's read this. Excuse me. He says, but of that day and hour, no one knows. No one knows the day, okay? But we can discern the season based on the signs and the, the sorrows and the tribulations. He wants us to pay attention. Don't listen to people who say, I know the date. I had a dream or I'm going to, you know, it's, 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 I've seen this happen so many times. No one knows the day, but we are called to prayerfully discern the season. 
And I think the reason, you know, one of many, he didn't give us the exact date in the Bible. If he were to give us the exact date, I mean, how many people would have just totally checked out? He wants us to always be seeking prayerfully. Maybe it's this generation. Maybe it's now. And he wants our hearts connected to him. It's, it's his wise leadership to give signs instead of exact, precise dates and times. Because he wants our heart, he wants relationship, he wants us to search him out because there's glory in that, there's reward in that. And I think I've come to realize he is right about that. He, he, he kind of gets us searching for him more if he speaks in parables and signs and, and dark sayings and things like that. He really gets us closer to him. Um. So it says, no one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Excuse me. And did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect." So again, Jesus likens the end to the days of Noah, and the idea here is being ready and having right expectations. In Noah's generation, Noah was building this huge ark, and he was telling people that there's a flood coming that's going to cover the earth. And nobody believed Noah. Nobody believed his message. They all thought he was crazy. They thought, what is this deal with a giant boat, a giant flood? What is God's going to judge people? There was, a, there was almost nobody that believed Noah, but Noah truly heard from the Lord. And so he was building something that looked unusual, but that was what God was building. And there's going to be people, as we get closer to the end of the age, they're going to build structures and church models and ministries that look unusual and, and maybe even like total lunacy to some people, but they're actually what God is building for the days ahead. And so Noah, we know nobody listened to his message because the only people on the boat were his wife and his kids and their wives. And so eight people... Out of the entire population of the earth, heed the word of the Lord and get on the boat. And then the, the rains, the deluge comes. There's a complete deluge. And, you know, the flood covers the earth and only eight people and a bunch of animals survive. And, you know, that was a bad time to miss the word of the Lord. And I assure you, as we get closer to the end of the age... We do not want to be disconnected from the scriptures, from the, you know, the, the testimony of scripture, the greatest prophetic word, because we will miss 
what God is doing, we won't be building what Jesus is building. We won't be connected at all if we're not going through this word. And so there's going to be a need to be especially sensitive to what God is saying, particularly in his word, because the Spirit's going to illuminate Bible verses and we're going to build churches and ministries based on what he's saying through Scripture under the anointing of the Spirit. And and we're going to need to shift. We're going to need to be sensitive to, you know, we were doing this, but now, hey, we're getting closer to the end. We're going to do this. And so, again, we're going to need to be open to what the Spirit is saying. Now, as the, as the Scriptures tell us in 2 Peter 2.5, Noah was not just an ark builder. He was called a preacher of righteousness. And I think one of the, the reasons the Lord says it's going to be like the days of Noah, we're going to be building the church in, in partnership with Jesus. I mean, Jesus is building his church and we're building with him. We're in cooperation. We're, we're doing it together, but we're going to be, we're going to be building things uh, under the leadership of Jesus that there's going to be ways of doing ministry and there's going to be structures and, and there's going to be all kinds of things that, that haven't been done before and maybe people think is a little bit crazy. People think doing prayer like we do is crazy, but it's only going to get, there's only going to be uh, need of more prayer. There's only going to be need of more unique ministry to reach certain contexts. And so the Lord is going to raise up Noah's to build unusual structures that other people don't get. And he's going to use them to preach righteousness while doing the building. And so Noah's out there putting nails on boards, and I don't know how they did it. I've never built an ark thousands of years ago. But there's going to be this, I'm doing what God called me, but also calling people to the righteousness of faith in Christ and living righteously. And so there's going to be this element of God has this Noah generation uh, toward the end who's building with what he's building and preaching what he's preaching. It's important to understand this, that we as the church must be telling people during this time what's happening. Many will scoff. Many will think it's crazy and total lunacy, but multitudes will get on the ark of salvation in Christ. Multitudes will listen and they might be listening to you. And so don't, don't think it's going to be like the guy at church, you know, be thinking you're that preacher of righteousness. Um, you know, when I think of what a preacher is and what you think of a preacher is, we, you know, all kinds of thoughts come into our mind, but think of you. Think of yourself. You don't have to have this huge platform at a church behind a pulpit like I'm at. Um, you don't have to have a huge gathering at a conference to be a preacher. A preacher is simply a communicator or a messenger, someone who speaks what Jesus is speaking and calling people to know Jesus on a personal level, to follow Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus, and to live in a spirit of righteousness. 
And so there's going to be these people that the Lord raises up like he raised up Noah. It's not just going to be that there's going to be a flood of tribulation or a flood of the spirit that's going to happen. But within that flood of tribulation and the flood of the Holy Spirit covering the earth in that hour, there's going to be people speaking. There's going to be preachers preaching and that and that could be you. It could be in ways you're writing. It could be in ways you're using social media or blogging. Or it could be you at coffee with friends, discipling or doing Bible studies or at prayer gatherings, helping people connect to the Lord. I believe there will be all sorts of manifestations of preaching righteousness. And so don't count yourself out. Sometimes people think, well, I've never been a leader. I've never done this or that. And and I just, I want you to, to know God wants to use you. Amen. Come on in. I'm just, just, I'm going about halfway through. I'm going to just keep on going. Hallelujah. Good to see the sisters. <laughs> What's up? It's faith, right? Yes. Okay. And Renee, you came in right at the right moment. And, and Mandy, are you good? Okay, I was preaching to my family, and now my family has has left. But we got we <laughs> we got women of God in the house, and so uh, did they get you notes? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Now, uh, so we've gone to the back of page one, and we're talking about Noah. Um, Jesus said, "At the end of the age, it would be like in the days of Noah." We know that there's not going to be a global flood of water. Jesus said he'd never do that. But there's going to be this flood of the Holy Spirit. There's going to be this flood of tribulation that Jesus said all these things, wars, rumors of wars, all these things happening. And so there's going to be people like Noah, it says in 2 Peter 2, 5, he was preaching righteousness in his generation. So I believe there's going to be people like you, Renee, people like you, Faith, Helping others make sense of what's unfolding, not only today, but in the years to come, leading up to the day we may see the Lord return. And so um, that's something that I just, oh, and then Mandy was going to share a dream. I'm going to, when she gets back up, she's supposed to do that. But let's go to the very last part of the message. It's toward the end of the second page there, uh, Matthew 24. 45 to 41. This is my favorite part of the, he shares three little sermons in Matthew 24 talking about just before he returns again. And then, because this is what I think. If I think, okay, here's Jesus teaching on tribulation, great tribulation, the return of the Lord, like these are things that are so out there and fearful and like crazy you know, what do I even do? How do I even respond? I mean, if I'm sitting there with the disciples and I'm hearing him say this for the first time, I'm thinking, what do you do with that? You know what I'm saying? And so as I read through Matthew 24, that's what I'm thinking. And it's like he knew we would think that. And so he says to conclude the message, oh, we got some uh, little kiddos answering the altar call. Wonderful. Okay. All right. When you got five kids, they run through your sermon. 
You want a couple of those, Renee? <laughs> you want to take a few with you? All right, we better get mom, okay? All right, we better get mama. Hopefully they're okay. I always get nervous when they're on those stairs because it's like a million stairs. Lord have mercy on them. And so as he concludes Matthew 24, of, of they're running up and down the stairs through the... Um, but when you're done with getting them, I do want to have you share that dream. Um, just could you have the boys watch them? Thank you. All right, cool. <laughs> um, you know, they put the chapters and the verses long after this was said. But, you know, for, for the sake of the sermon, in Matthew 24, he's ending that chapter. And it's like he answers the question, who then is a faithful and wise servant? whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season. It's like, Lord, what do we do? It's like, we're that generation that's going to see all this. What do we do? And he just says, be faithful. Be wise. Be a servant. It's not complex. Like we think, what do I, you know, I got to, you know, do something wild and crazy to, to respond to this wild and crazy time. And, and it's simply be faithful to me. Be, be wise. Don't make foolish decisions with your life. Stay close to me. Be faithful to the calling I've given you or to, to the job I've given you or to where you're at in life. Just be faithful to me in that. So often people wonder, like, what's God's will for my life? And it's simply just where I've put you right now, just do that well. You know, it's not like you, you have to go do something extreme in some other country or whatever. You just... Okay, here's my job. Just do that well. Aspire to do that to help people in the process. And so it, he makes it like so simple and attainable. I appreciate. Uh, he says, be faithful, be wise, be a servant. And I feel like this is, it's almost like a charge to leaders. He's saying, give the people food in the right season. Like, give them the food they need. Help people with their spiritual diet. You know, and in ladies, the Lord may be using you, you know, people coming to you asking, you know, how do how do I know Jesus or whatever, you know, you know, just hear, OK, here's what you need to hear in this moment. And so there's almost like a leadership element to this. And and he just says, just feed the feed the people in your care. It could be a few, it could be multitudes. You know, I remember Reinhard Bonnke, he was this famous evangelist. He would do these crusades in Africa that literally they'd take pictures and you'd see him on the stage, this little dot. And as far as you could see, it was people. It was just a sea of people, of millions of people that would come to these crusades. And I always thought, if I'm obedient to the Lord, I'm going to have to do something like that to be like, you know, to really make a difference. And the reality is, I, I learned over time, that that was simply his calling that he was to be faithful with. And that's a very rare calling. Not, you know, not everybody is going to be preaching huge million people crusades. Many people will be, just be like us, will influence a few people every day. Maybe once in a while we'll speak at a conference or do an event and there'll be a bunch of people, but... Or, or we'll make a little TikTok video about, you know, how Jesus said something to us and it blessed us and then a million people might see it. But, but most things in life are just, it's this influencing a few people. 
And so that's why I feel like he says at the end of this, I know I've said all this tribulation. I know I've said all these things about Noah's generation and all this, but really just be faithful. Be wise. Uh, don't, don't waste, squander your gifts and talents. We're going to look at that in a couple of weeks, the, the using your talents well or your gifts well, and, and, and have a servant humble attitude. You know what I mean? Like Jesus, it's like he's so good at making following him seem attainable. And he never wants it to seem like it's so out there only for a few gifted people. No, he wants, actually I've heard wise people say the Bible was really written for common people. It's not really, he, was, he wasn't really focused on trying to reach like the guy with nine PhDs, the academic he was really wanting to say things for the common person. And so he talked about nature. He talked about fig trees. He talked about stories they already knew and things like that. And so he's making, you know, living through the most challenging time of history just before he comes back attainable. We're not going to need to be some like, you know, I don't know what sometimes people think of like, oh my gosh, if that's, if that's our generation, I'm going to have to go on like a thousand day fast every thousand days. And then I'm going to have to, you know, I don't know. And, and the Lord says, get all that out of your mind. Just whatever I've given you to do, be faithful, make wise decisions, get counsel when there's really important decisions you need to make in life, you know, and be a servant, just help people in, in basic ways. Um, you know, it's not rocket science, to be honest. We just had Pastor Sam Duran here uh, earlier in the week speaking to all the pastors, and he just, he just opened up the Good Samaritan passage. And he just says, it's just really, if we're really doing it, we're just helping that one person that needs help. You know, it was that one person lying in the street, beaten to death, and the the priest walked by on the other side. The Pharisee walked by on the other. You know, the ultra-spiritual people wouldn't want to touch that guy. But it was the Samaritan who had mercy. And we're to be like that. And, and you know, it's like I just get a picture of sometimes we, we think we have to go save the whole world when really he just says, help the one guy laying on the ground in front of you. You know, that's following Jesus. That's what it means to be a faithful, wise servant, helping feed the people that are right there. Help, you know, don't wait till it's a million people because it'll never be a million people. I mean, maybe for one man of God out there, it will be. But for many of us, it's just, you know, helping the ones and the twos and the threes. Oh, there's, you're hurt. Oh my gosh. Like, let's get you to a hotel and bandage you and, you know, pay for your bill. You know, things like that. It's, that's the kingdom. And I feel like he wants us to understand we're going to be going through a really intense uh, season of time just before he comes back. But the mission doesn't, you know, he may have us, like I was talking about, we may have a different style of ministry to match the, the needs, but the, the mission is the same. We help people. We stay faithful to our calling. We serve people. We make good decisions. We do right. And that's never going to change. You know, the, the first commandment, love God. Second commandment, love your neighbor, is never going to change. That's always going to be one and two, most important. And then the, the people who said, well, who's my neighbor? And then he told the story about the Good Samaritan. Well, it's the guy laying there on the street that you guys passed by. And I have a hunch 
He said that story because I, I think that probably happened frequently. And it probably touched their heart like, ooh, yeah, I see people on the side of the road robbed all the time and I don't do anything. Because back then it was a little different. If you were journeying from one town to the other, you know, you didn't have an Uber, <laughs> of course. And, you know, so pe- little bands of, of robbers would wait behind a rock. And so you're miles out there and you're between, you know, no, two towns and they would jump out and beat you and take your stuff. And that was kind of how they did, you know, robbings back then. And so that, I mean, it wasn't uncommon. Now, what I wanted to say this, he does offer in this last little parable a warning. It's an admonishment. He says, I want you to be wise. I want you to be faithful. I want you to be a servant. But he says, there are going to be those who say, ah, Jesus, is, it's going to be forever. Oh, didn't mean to hit that. My master is delaying his coming, and it says he begins to beat his fellow servants. Uh, the, the, it says there's an evil kind of servant who says, Jesus is coming back a long time from now. He beats his fellow servants. He eats and drinks with the drunkards. And then it says the master of that servant will come on a day he's not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware And then it says, and then he will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So he ends on a pretty, pretty serious note there. And and what I think he's saying is there's going to be a temptation to go, "Eh, I don't know, return to Jesus, all this stuff, like, I don't care. And, and, and so basically to let go of that desire to be faithful, wise and servant, uh, serving and being a, a leader who feeds the people in due time and does the work of ministry, there's going to be people who go, I know thanks. I'm just going to kind of live however I want. And I think there's going to be people who abdicate their calling or abdicate their leadership or their Christian responsibility. You don't have to have a title or you know a business card. It's just going to be people who go, no thanks. And, and the Lord says, don't do that. Don't do that because there's going to be such a need People are going to need Jesus, and there's going to be a reward for those who are faithful in the next age in heaven. And so don't miss out on that. And I, and I would say through personal experience, I have seen, and, and Lord, help us all, but because so many of our callings are so small, you know, I'm not out preaching a crusade like Reinhard Bonnke, you know, and so sometimes we can think, well, it's just my little church and my little house of prayer or my little Bible study or, you know, what does it even matter? And I see people give up on their calling because it wasn't as big as they thought it would be or they didn't get the notoriety they thought they should. And so they just kind of give up. And I believe what Jesus is saying here is don't give up because your calling on your life, though it may only touch a small number of people, you know, small in quotes, those people are important. You know, we never know who that one guy on the side of the road, that guy could have grown up to be president one day. We don't know. That guy could have been the next somebody, you know. We don't know who we're helping. You know, we, and so we always help. We always serve them. We always try to be like Christ and we stay engaged in our calling. 
because we just don't know what's going to connect to what and how the domino is going to connect with that domino. And big things can happen if we just are faithful in our little thing. You know, there's a few, I know a, a lot of leaders in our community, some of them have, you know, bigger churches. And when people get called by the Lord, they're always thinking, well, I'll have a church like that one day. Oh, and then it'll be big and awesome. And But the reality is that's like 1% of leaders have like a big thing. And most, you know, 99% of Christian leaders, we just have a tiny but very important influence. And and I feel like Jesus is touching on that. Like, don't don't do this to be like famous and rich. (laughs) Because there's only like three people that that happens to, you know, and, and, you know, they have a special grace for it. But to, to just be faithful, to just be wise, to be a servant, to, you know, feed people with the word, with, tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear necessarily, but what they need to hear, what Jesus said, because that's going to help them. And, and just to stay engaged because there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, there's going to be events and, you know, Friday nights that are full and then events and Friday nights that aren't full. And there's going to be good times of ministry and bad times of ministry and fun and not fun. And Jesus says, just ride it to the end. <laughs> Take that train all the way to the train station. Stay on the plane until it lands. Don't jump out and hope you have a parachute on. Like just, he says, stay, stick with it. Because the, the reward far, even if it's difficult, the reward far outweighs than just jumping ship and going, oh, I hope the Lord's nice to me. The Lord, the Lord says, you know, it's, he's very clear. He says, you don't want to get into the hypocritical territory, you know, because it's not as rewarding. And, and there, is, there is an element of, uh, how did I write it down here? There's, there's an element where he he says, okay, there's, there's, um, there's a discipline or there's these compromising decisions are not going to bode well. And so he wants us to know there's going to be great reward. There's going to be uh, for those who endure, for those who overcome, for those who remain faithful and steady, steadily obedient over the long haul, he will reward them. And that's a, for another message for another time. But uh, we're going to have, you know, I just think this is interesting. You know, I'll just pick on you, Renee, since you're there. You know, you're, you're calling. You, need, you may touch, you know, like me, both of us. We, we might touch, you know, a few number, small number of people. But in heaven, God's going to go, you were as faithful as Reinhard Bonnke. It didn't have anything to do with he touched millions and you touched dozens. Or Derek, you touched five. I'm going to reward you based on you did it. Reinhard, you touched the millions because I told you to. Derek, you touched three because I told you to. Renee, 12. And Mandy, a billion because I told you to. But it all just, all the only thing that matters is, I got a cute little lady behind me, is if we just are faithful to serve and be wise. So those are the three sermons that Jesus says, I want you to hear related to my coming i'll end right there and then we'll pray together and we'll end with that so heavenly father thank you for your word holy spirit thank you for teaching us your word and i just pray that we would be fully prepared perhaps the lord is coming sooner perhaps later we don't know the day or the hour we see kind of the signs and the indications 
you know, there's things escalating in the earth today and we just want to be ready. We want to be like a Noah who built what you were building. Father, we want to be those who are like wise, faithful servants. We want to understand like the fig tree. Uh, it's, uh, we want to understand that things are going to blossom very quickly in that day. And so just help us to be wise. Help us to be um, uh, just uh, wise believers uh, both today in the here and now and in the coming years and decades uh, should you tarry. And we thank you for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.